0: Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com? Here is this week's teaching. Good morning, everyone. What a beautiful summer morning, what beautiful summer weekend we're having. To those in your room, it is great to be with you. There's some of you that aren't here because I hope that you're watching online from Hills Alive. Uh, hopefully, uh, Church 307, that there's many of you joining us from there. Was there anybody at Hills Alive yesterday that came home to be able to be at worship this morning? The cameraman, he was at there and a couple of you were, were there. So it's good to be with all of you, to our friends over at the prison and the jail. It is always great to be with you. And uh, we find ourselves in a summer sermon series where we are looking into one of the great small books in the Bible called 1 John. Uh, So it's one of the disciples of Jesus who wrote this and wrote the Gospel of John. This is not that book. But instead, as he wrote, wrote three extra letters, and so we're looking at one of those throughout the next couple of weeks. Pastor Mike jumped us into this last week as he, John, as he wrote this book, he had several themes that he wanted us to be aware of, that as he knew Jesus well, he wanted us to know if some of these amazing themes as we're growing in our relationship with Christ. And so last week, Pastor Mike helped you understand a little bit about the, the light, that takes over the darkness as we grab hold of jesus but also there's another big theme and that we're going to look at today and it goes through almost the entire book i want us to i want you to try to guess what this theme is based on the first introduction to this song see if you know this song or not anyone Wow, we have some Beatles fans in the room out there. For those of you who are not from the 60s, and maybe you don't know the song, it's uh, All You Need Is Love. Maybe this will help you know it a little bit better. This is what the chorus sounds like. Now to know that, and I'll tumble the bin and uh, sing it if you know it. All I need is love. Yeah, some of the people like love is all we need and i really think that john would have agreed with the beatles based on the theme of love that he just intertwines throughout the entire book we're going to see it showing up from chapter two three and four it just it's there and we're not going to look at the, all of it because there's so much of it but we're going to help to grab some of the little parts that john has for us that we can get an understanding of this theme that he feels is so important if we're going to walk with Jesus, that we need to know about this. So let's see, as we jump into this, what John wants us to be aware of. He starts it like this in chapter two. He says, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new commandment for you. Rather, it's an old one that you have heard from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message that you heard before. So John wants us to understand that there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to love. This is something that he takes them back all the way to the very beginning parts of the Bible. If you go back, I know some of you have the book of Leviticus memorized, right? No, we don't. We don't spend a lot of time in Leviticus, but if you did, you're going to find this command. It's there. It's all throughout the early pages of the Bible and all throughout the old part of the Bible. John wants to understand it's that old commandment that we have heard. But it's not just old. John wants to also us to understand, yet it is also New, Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. So John wants to understand that. Yes, it's an old commandment, that but it's new and it's fresh as well. What does this mean? Well, let me help you understand this a little bit. Did anybody ever have a a van or an SUV that looks like this after a family trip with with our kids? Yeah, some of you you understand this. What are some of the crazy things that we find in our car or vehicle after a family trip. Seashells, McDonald's french fries, yeah, fishy crackers. Whoever invented those things? Because they're there and then they get ground into the carpet. They're horrible. Legos, anyone? Yes, matchboxes. All kinds of things get thrown into the car after a family trip. And so it looks like a very old vehicle. Now, what John is saying for us is it's the old vehicle, but isn't it amazing after you get home from the family trip and you all get together and you clean it or you give it to someone else and let them detail it for you. Doesn't the car look amazing at that time? Don't you love it when it gets detailed and looks really fresh and new? Well, it's the same old car. It's the same old minivan, but it just looks new. And that's what John is saying, that with Jesus, It's still the same thing, love one another, but Jesus, as he walked the earth, he helped us to get a new and fresh perspective on what loving others looks like. And John also says, it's with you as well, that as you live out this commandment in your contemporary setting, you're helping it to be seen fresh and new as well. John knows his commandment well, and but. John also understands that this commandment to love one another, it's not always easy, is it? Because John knows that there's things that love can get in the way of love. What do I mean? Let's see what John says here as we continue on in chapter two. He says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you for when you love the world, you do not have the love, uh uh-oh, Of the Father in you. So he gives us this image for us of those moments when we kind of embrace, when we grab hold of these things of the world and we love those so much that it keeps us from doing the things that the Father and his love would want us to do. He expands on it a little bit as we continue. He says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world, it's fading away along with everything that people crave. So he shares this imagery of these things of the world, these pleasures that we have, these trophies that we might have on our shelves, these things that are temporary. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. And he says, if we are embracing these, if these are the things that we are loving, then love is getting in the way of us carrying out the love one another thing that God would have us do. And we all have these things in our lives. I know I do. Let me give you some examples from my point of view, some things that I have struggled with that, have, that I've loved a little bit too much sometimes and kept me from loving Another, for instance, some of you know I'm a Steelers fan. This is what I looked my best. No, that's not really me, but well, I'd love it to be me, though. You know, I'm a Steelers fan, and, and that, John would not say it's a bad thing to be a Steelers fan. Well, some of you would say it's a bad thing to be a Steelers fan, and I get that. But John would not say that it's bad to have a team that you root for. But John would want us to understand that sometimes These teams that we love get in the way of us loving another. For instance, sometimes maybe I want to research my team so much and I start researching and reading this story and then I'll read another story and I start pushing maybe aside the time to spend with God and spending time in his word. Or maybe I'm watching the game and I'm so much into the game that I push my family aside and say those relationships aren't as important. Love gets in the way of love. It's okay to have a favorite team, but we don't want that team to have us, right? Another thing that I sometimes struggle with, you ever have a possession that you love a little bit too much? Now, this is not me, but it could have been back when I was in my 20s. I got my brand new truck, man. I just, it was amazing. My fresh new ride and And I was the youth pastor at a church at that time. And and I drove my truck over to the church the one day and a couple teenagers were there. and The one came out and he leaned against my brand new truck and he had something in his pocket and it put a wee little mark in that truck. I went off on that boy. I just let him know that my truck is my baby right now and you do not put marks in my truck. And you could just see his face in that moment, not feeling love. Love got in the way of love. Now, John would never say, and I would not say, that having possessions is not a good thing. We all need possessions in our lives. We live that way. But it's okay to have a truck. But you can't have the truck having you. You don't want love for something like that to have a possession to get in the way of love for another. Another one that I sometimes struggle with is my hobbies. We all have hobbies, don't we? And sometimes when, when I first got married to Karen, I knew when every start to the fishing season in Pennsylvania was, because we had different starts at different places in the state for different kinds of fish. And I knew when they all were, and I wanted to be there on that day. And so there were a few times where she struggled with that because I started pushing her aside and saying that the hobby, the thing was more important, love, for the hobby got in the way of love for another. John would never say, I would never say, don't have hobbies because we're supposed to enjoy the life that God gave us. So it's okay to have a hobby, but we don't want the hobby to have us. Get it? You know, and though these are just some of mine, yours might be something different. Maybe yours is scrolling on your phone that you just get lost in there so, so much. Maybe it's Netflix. Maybe you're a workaholic and you're constantly at work and you're pushing your relationships aside because you're spending so much time at work. You know what yours is because maybe some others have given you that face of looking like you're not loving me right now because whatever it is, is getting in the way. John knew all about this because he dealt with it as well. Like we all do, love can get in the way of love. So John, we want to learn from him then. What, where does this love come from? What does it look like? And how do we live it out in our lives? So John continues, as we jump now into chapter three, John starts to let us know where it comes. He says, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world, they don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know God yet. Mike talked about this last week in his sermon as he shared this understanding that it's nothing that we do that first gets us love. It's, nothing, it's not us chasing after God. It's God chasing after us. God loves us first. Even while we were yet sinners, he is dying for us. He is loving on us. And so John is wanting us to understand that as we receive that love from the Father, the Father adopts us as children into the family. God wants you to be part of his family, and he adopts you in. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he starts changing us with creating some love DNA in our lives helping the love of the Father to grow into us and the DNA of our lives begin to change and look more and more like the Father. So we, as part of the family, because we first receive the love that comes from the Father, as a part of this family, then there's a message for us that John says it's just part of living it. This is the message that you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. If you're part of the family... If you have received that love of the Father and become a children of God, then the natural part of who you are is someone who loves. Someone who looks at the person in front of you and is willing to say, I need to love that person. And we start to say love cannot get in the way of love because I'm now part of the family and the DNA of the family is growing in us. So if we're receiving this love and the DNA is growing in us, what now does this love look like? How does it play out in our lives? John continues and he shows us. He says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. So John starts sharing this imagery of what real love is, and he starts helping us to see what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just say, I love you. No, he did something. And what does Jesus do? But he gives us this image of laying something aside. It's the Greek word, tethemi. It's a word that John uses all throughout his writings. We see it in several different places as he wants us to get an understanding of what this means for us. That Jesus, it said, gave up his life. He laid aside his life. That's tethemi. It's the imagery of us having something that we give up so that. There's a so that, so that something else can happen. The Apostle Paul helped us to understand this idea of tethemi. It's in Philippians chapter 2. Now, for many of us, when, when we hear this idea of Jesus giving up his life, we're instantly thinking of the cross. Paul says it's not just that. But if you want to love like Jesus, he says in chapter 2 of Philippians, you need to have the same mindset of Christ who started up in heaven. He was the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He was all-powerful, all-knowing. He could be anywhere he wanted to. He had that position all the way up there in heaven. But what does Jesus do? Paul says he gave that up. He laid that position aside so that he could come to earth. The creator became the created, and he became as a baby. Now you think about that for a moment. Would you be willing to give that up, that opportunity to be all powerful in heaven, and now all of a sudden you need, well, you need to be able to have your parents take care of you, to feed you, to provide for you, That's what Jesus did. He laid aside his position in heaven, came to earth, gave it up, and then he continued to lay aside his life all the way to the cross and death upon that cross for each and every one of us. That's Tethemi. It's giving something up for the sake of others. So what is John wanting us to know? Here's our theme for the day. Real love is laying aside something so that we can give life to someone else. Let me say that again. Real love is laying something aside so that we can give life to someone else. You know, John would have seen this and he would have heard this in so many different ways as he walked with Jesus. Because Jesus kept teaching this gift, this abundant gift of real love over and over. It's a gift that it's not just us laying something aside to love someone else and blessing their life. No, Jesus understood that this blesses the person who's loving as well. Jesus showed this in in so many different ways. And one of the coolest ways is what we see happened on the night before he went to the cross. You can read all about it. It's in John chapter 13. So this is back in the gospel of John chapter 13. And John shares this story of how he encountered this real love for the sake of from, from Jesus. You see, Jesus and the disciples, they were they were coming into this night and it was the passover feast they were getting ready to have a huge feast on the table and this is kind of like our thanksgiving feast where we come into this feast and we are celebrating the goodness of god the faithfulness of god and how we share that special blessing so they would have been coming in looking forward to this amazing feast that was set up on all ready for them to remember what god is doing in their lives but on this night they were going to have some issues that they were going to have to deal with. See, as they came in and got ready for the table, and now when we're going to Thanksgiving meal, we like to make sure that the kids know and we do it as well. What do we do before coming to the table? We wash our hands. We wash our hands, get the muck and the mire off of our hands before we come to the table to eat. But in that time period, because of the way they eat, they needed to do something extra. You see, What they did back in that time, they didn't have a table that they sat up at, but instead they had a table that they would recline at. And they would sit around the table reclining like this. Now, if you come into a table like this, and all of a sudden your face, where you can smell things, is down at the same level as your feet, and they wore sandals a lot back then, and those feet would walk down the roads where animals had discharged their stuff out of their bodies and laid it there on the road for the disciples to walk through. You know what I mean? They pooped. And so the disciples had poop on their feet. So as you come to the Thanksgiving feast, do you want to have your head down at the same level as your feet that had poop on them? Well, of course we don't. And so what was necessary for them before they would come to the table was was they were coming in. Usually— There was someone there in their midst, like a servant type person, who was going to do the washing of the feet so that they could come to the table and eat. The foot washing, like our hand washing, had to happen before they could enjoy their life at the table. But on this night, for whatever reason, I like to think that Jesus gave this person the belly bug so that they left the room so that this moment that Jesus could share could happen. You see, as they came into the room, there was no one there to wash the feet. And the disciples, they started looking at each other and pointing at each other saying, you? And none of them were stepping forward. So what does it say that Jesus did? It says that he tethemied. It says that he took off his outer garments. And what did he do with it? But he laid it aside. He laid something aside so that he could then take the position of the servant, and he began to walk around to each of the disciples and to wash each of their feet. Do you get it? Tefemi. He laid something aside so that he could love them. Which, you realize, he didn't just lay aside his garments. I mean, who's Jesus? He's the Messiah. The disciples knew this. He's the King of Kings. And he laid aside that position so that he could love. The disciples were not happy with this. This is Jesus. And he's walking around. Peter said, no way, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you're not going to get to experience life at the table. You're going to miss out on life. So, Love, real love, is laying something aside so that we can share life with someone who needs to experience. Jesus wasn't done. After the meal was over, what does it say he did? He kept teaching. He said, after washing their feet, he put his robe on again. And he sat down and he asked them, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to, watch this, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Jesus says, I was up here. And I gave that position up and came down here as an act of love. I laid aside my garment. I laid aside my position so that I could love you. Did you, did you watch? Because now I want you to do what I just did. What did Jesus do? He shared real love. And real love is to themi. It is laying something aside so that we can give life to someone else. Yeah, you know, the cool thing for me as a pastor is I get to watch so many of you do this in so many different ways. You know, one of the fun things for me is that when, I, when I have the opportunity to do an infant or baby dedication service, I get to hang out with all of these amazing new young families, and they have all these little bundles of joy that are exhausting. Mike talked about this last week, didn't he? How hard it is to be a parent. It is exhausting. And we long for these little babies and then we get them and we realize if we're going to keep them alive, if we're going to provide real life to them, then we need to do some real love because we're going to set aside our sleep. Amen. We're going to set aside our money. We're going to set aside our hobbies so that we can love and keep them alive. I've watched some of your life groups do this. It is so cool. When I watch your life groups, not just, not just meeting together to talk about Jesus, but you begin to live Jesus with each other. As I watch you, when somebody's down and hurting, you provide meals to each other. Or I've watched some of you go and you paint somebody's house and you care for them that way. Maybe you move them from one house to another if it's necessary. You do these things where you share real love where you lay aside parts of your life so that you can share life with someone else you know i watch it every sunday morning here you know, our, our band gets here at oh dark 30 in the morning to get ready for the day they lay aside at least one maybe two extra hours of sleep so that they can come and love god and love you by living in worship The people that go downstairs with your kids it's amazing to watch them how they lay aside that hour to get down on the floor and love on a kid and provide life i see this over and over where i watch you lay aside part of your life so that you can share life with someone else that's real love John, he saw this a lot and he wants to make sure that we're getting a good handle on this. So we continue on into chapter three and he says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or a sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in this person? He says, if you are a family of God, If you're in this family and you have this DNA welling up in you and you see somebody in need and you have the ability, whether it's the money, whether it's the head knowledge, whether it's the the truck to haul something for somebody, whether it's the ability to cook a meal, if you have the ability to help someone who's in need and you see that need and you have no compassion in your heart to reach out and care about that person, is God's love really in you? He questions that a little bit. And so he takes it to another level as we go on. He says, dear children, notice he says children. So he's bringing this imagery of us being in the family. It's a family portrait. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love others. Grant, I love you. You're supposed to say, I love you too, Paul. There you go. But if that's all we do for each other, if we just have those words come out of our mouths and there's nothing behind it, he says, say, if don't, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. If the truth is, if you say the truth is that you're part of the family of God because you've received the love of God into your life, and you've said yes to Jesus, then John is saying then the truth should play out in how your actions are compassionately driven for loving another. John, he doesn't stop. As we jump into chapter four, he takes it to a whole nother level. He, He says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Now this no here, it's not just a, I know about God. No, it's an intimate family love that we know a lot about God because we've spent time with God and we've, we've learned from God and we've had God's love pour into us. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And he shares this imagery of this cyclical thing back and forth that as you get to know God and you learn of the love that he pours into your life and he allows that DNA to grow up into you as a child of God, then you should start loving. But if you're not loving, do you really know God? Because being part of the family means that we naturally are loving others. That's what the DNA of the family looks like as we live out. And so if we are not, based on what he just said here, if we are not allowing the love of the Father that we know about to move forward compassionately into loving others, then this is what the family portrait begins to look like. Get it? If I'm not loving, that's me. I'm looking a little bit out of sorts in comparison to the rest of the family. The family that is following God, that knows God, is loving others on a regular basis. But if I'm not loving God, then I'm not showing what God looks like. John, as he was sharing this, he, he, he shares all of this. And it reminds me of a story of a group of us here at the church that— uh, we're trying to live this out a little bit. It was a group of us guys that were, we were getting ready. We were going to have our fantasy football draft. Some of us get involved in fantasy football, and uh, we just love doing it. Hopefully, the love for it doesn't get it in the way of love, right? But there was a group of us that were getting ready to have a fantasy football draft, and we decided we're going to do it big time. And we were going to go away for the weekend. We were going down to Buffalo. And getting an Airbnb, and we were just going to spend time together and have this big fantasy football draft. And so as we were getting ready to share this, uh, we, we all started on our journey towards Buffalo. Nick was out in front, and Nick was so excited because he had won the previous year. And so he was all fired up. He had all of his stats and who he was going to choose there in his truck. And he was driving down towards Buffalo. Coming behind him was Brad brad was not happy he he saw nick in front of him and he was already steaming because he wasn't happy because he lost to nick just by a little bit that previous year so he sees nick in front of him and he's so upset he allows that love of the world get in front of him so he pulls up alongside of nick he runs nick off the road into a ditch he pulls off grabs nick out of the truck throws him into the ditch beats the snot out of him grabs all of his stat sheets, jump back in his truck, and he takes off for Buffalo. Now, the good news is there were more of us behind that were on our way. Pastor Mike was at first because he had the key to the Airbnb, so he needed to be get going and, and get there to open up. And then so as he's driving along, he could all of a sudden see someone in a little bit of an accident, and he sees that it's Nick, but he's in a dilemma. Because he has the key. And if he doesn't get there, then nobody else is going to be able to get in. And, and, and it was cold out. And so we needed. So Pastor Mike, he looked in his rearview mirror and he saw that there was someone coming behind him. He thought, okay, that could be fine, right? And so Pastor Mike, he just kept on going because he needed to get there. Well, the guy behind him, that was me. And as I was driving down, I could see the same thing that Mike had seen up in front of me. But to see, the, I had the food. I had smoked a brisket, and I grilled some burgers and some brats, and my wife made some amazing desserts. And so as, we're, as I'm driving along, I see the situation. I thought, but I, if I stop, the food's going to spoil. I can't do that. And so I, I at least I put my window down and I yelled out, "Hey, Nick! I'll be praying for you, big guy." And I kept taking off down the road. good news was I could see someone in my rearview mirror coming up behind me. So I think, okay, hopefully I was praying, God, make that guy stop, right? And finally, that guy behind me, well, that was Grant. You know, the, the Grant that sings up here, we didn't even invite him to be part of our group because Grant doesn't like football. Who doesn't like football? Why would we want to invite Grant? Because, you know, no, we don't going to invite him. So, so Grant, he was just heading up to the Bighorns to get away, to have a nice hike in the, in the woods and spend some time with God. But all of a sudden, he could see up in front of him what was going on. And so Grant pulls over, and he gets out of his vehicle, and, and he starts taking care of Nick a little bit and bandaging him up. And he, he calls a tow truck, and he takes it, gets the truck towed away, and he tells the guy, hey, I'll pay for everything. Just get his truck back in the road. Uh, Nick needs his truck. And so he loads Nick up and he takes him back to the emergency room and he gets him cared for and he was going to take him home. But Barb and the girls were away for the weekend. So Nick needed somebody to care for him. So Grant takes him to his house where he and Lindsay take care of him the next couple days. Do you recognize the story? It's not truthful. Don't think that Pastor Mike is a bad guy. But instead, it was just simply a story that John would have heard Jesus tell in a contemporary way to look at it. Grant was the good Samaritan in this story, the guy that we didn't want to hang out with, but yet he was the one who compassionately saw the need that was in front of him and laid aside his trip to the bighorns so that he could minister to the brother who was in need. He to He laid aside his life for the sake of the life of the windows. As John gets to the end of chapter 4, he shares the conclusion or the summary. He says, this is what real love is. He says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have life, and not just life here, but eternal life through him. This is real love, people. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God looked at each and every one of us and said, you are so valuable to me. You matter so much to me that I'm willing to lay aside my own son all the way to death on the cross because i love you that much i'm gonna lay it aside because real love is this real love is laying something aside so that we can give life to someone else what is it for you What is it that God is placing in front of you? Who are the people that God is placing in front of you that you might have the ability, which the biggest ability simply might be your availability, that you have the ability to lay something aside, whatever that might be, so that love doesn't get in the way of love? What might you need to set aside so that you can lift that person up it's share life. So, God loved you first. And as you become part of the family, allow the DNA to well up inside of you, what now is Jesus sharing with you that maybe you need to lay aside to, to them me? so that you might love what another? God, we thank you. For this opportunity that you give us to be part of your family, the family of God. We thank you, God, that you invited us into this family by the power of your love, that you laid aside your life for the sake of our lives. We pray, oh God, that we can learn from you, that we can grow the DNA, that you can grow by the power of your spirit up inside of us to, to love others better. For your sake, for your glory, and your name. Amen. Amen.